because the rods are so nuanced in how they answer, they could go to 50%, they could go to 25%, one could go this way, one could go that way. We know there are all these permutations and the speed with which they answer also is telling. So we always talk about, well, let's ask about the timing of something. And, you know, we, we go at it from different angles. So basically when I sat down with my rods after three days of this thing in front of my face, I was told in a nutshell, this is called the infinity wave and inherent in this watery flow is 10th dimensional love and compassion. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 63, with me, Graham Gardner. In today's episode, we're featuring Hope Fitzgerald, who is an American dowser and spiritual coach. And uh, after a stay at the Finhorn community in Scotland, Hope found herself channeling an extra-dimensional energy that she calls the Infinity Wave. Now, she also runs tours to various sacred sites around the world and is planning on bringing a group over to Scotland later this year, which is how she came to get in touch with me and how this podcast came about. Uh, But I'll let Hope tell you her story directly. And uh, as usual, I started by asking her how she came to dowsing and how it changed her life. I had a mom who was into such things even when I was a teenager. And she had this needle and thread. And she would hold the thread and she would, you know, the needle would spin around and she used it to talk to plants because she really loved plants. And I thought, well, that's very interesting. We didn't call it dowsing. We just called it the needle. (laughs) Anyway, I was semi-impressed until I went to study in Italy and I picked up a little Italian when I was there as a student and my mom came to visit and she was known for clipping pieces of plants that she liked in foreign countries and stuffing them, you know, somewhere on her body when she would fly home and not so that she would try to grow them at home. Of course, this is highly illegal. (laughs) She's no longer with us, so she's not going to get arrested at this point. But anyway, she had this little piece of ivy that she had brought from Italy and she was trying to grow it. She was very good at growing things. But this piece of ivy was not thriving. And when she tried to talk to it with the needle and thread, it wouldn't respond at all. And then I said, wait a minute, maybe it only speaks Italian. (laughs) So with my limited Italian, I tried to talk to it. And sure enough, doesn't the needle start to go around and around? Well, that was my first little like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then um, fast forward many, many years later, and I was living in Texas, in Dallas with my two under two and two little babies. And, uh, and I was, I had kind of fallen into by chance a field that is now called staging for houses when you put them on the market. I I best just started, it wasn't called that then. In fact, I kind of, when, when the realtor asked me, what should we call this? I said, I guess it's like setting a stage because it's not how you would live. And I just started to do it for realtors and uh, to help them sell their houses. And in the process of that, I 
had a client who had found a feng shui class. And I was very interested in learning feng shui. So I joined the class with her. And this little Texas gal uh, was a spitfire. And she had, there were eight in the class. And we went to each person's home over the course of eight weeks uh, as, as our classroom. And, and it was great because we got into these different environments and then we could look at it and see what we were learning about feng shui. Is this feng shui balanced? What could we do to improve the space, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, the night they came to my house, she walked in the door with all these wire hangers and a pair of wire cutters. And nobody knew what that was for. And she sits there and she's talking away and she's telling us she's a very clever gal. She said, there are three schools of feng shui and I'm writing a book, trying to pull them all together. As, meanwhile, she's cutting these wire hangers into these L shapes. So when she's done, she hands everybody two of these. And she says, now we're going to go into the backyard. And she had everybody line up against the garage and walk across our very small yard and say, now you tell the, these wire hangers that you're holding to tell you where the water main is. I was not allowed to participate because I knew where the water main was. So they take little baby steps. And sure enough, there is this somewhat crooked but very difficult distinct line of people standing right on the water main. And I thought, okay, this is very cool. Let's learn more about this. So then she said, this is dowsing and you can douse for your best dates for something or times. Uh, you can douse for all kinds of things. We are not futurizing. We don't, we don't, you know, do a crystal ball thing, but for, in terms of what's in your highest, best and, and uh, your highest good um, that we can ask about. So after the class, I was left with these little wire hangers <clears throat> and I thought, okay, uh, I'm gonna test this out. Now I was a little nervous and I literally went into my closet. It was a walk-in closet, but I went in there <laughs> with these rods and I asked a silly question, you know, is the sky green or whatever, which in Texas it can be, but, uh, I, 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 before a hurricane, I mean, a tornado. Anyway, I asked silly questions like that. And sure enough, they moved. And, it, you know, and I had been introduced to all kinds of energy healing. Like I'd studied all this stuff, you know, so it shouldn't have surprised me. But the speed with which it responded kind of took me aback. Well, I started out just asking silly things or, or, really things with no consequence. Is this the best day to go to the grocery store? That kind of thing. And I started to do what I was directed to do when the rod said, no, go tomorrow or, you know, however you ask the questions. And, um, and over time, my questions had more and more consequences, had, had larger risk applied to them. Is it in our highest good to move from Dallas to another state, which we put our house on for, that kind of thing. And I really started to work with the intelligence. I didn't know where it was coming from. I didn't, this was back in the nineties. Uh, there was really no internet to, there was, but you know, archaic. And, uh, and I was so consumed with raising my children that uh, the thought of going to a library, I mean, that was the last thing I could 
figure out how to do. So I basically taught myself over the course of the next 15 years how to do this. I taught myself how to ask the questions. I didn't have a book, as I said. I didn't think there were any other dowsers out there. I thought I was some, you know, rare breed and it was very hush hush and people would think I'm crazy, that whole thing. And, uh, and then we ended up living in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts in the United States. And I met some really cool people there. And by that point, my dowsing had really grown and I was actually dowsing for other people on a regular basis and um, doing sessions for them and all that kind of thing. And somebody said to me at one point, have you ever been to the dowsing conference? And I, what? There's a dowsing conference? They said, yeah, it happens in Vermont every year. It's been going on for like 50 years. I went, oh my God, I had no idea because I'd just gotten used to being in my little silo. So I went to the dowsing convention for the first time and went crazy because there were people like me, men and women, and so many bells and whistles in the, in the room where they, all the tables were with all the wares. And I just thought this is the best thing ever. So that's how I started. It, it, it factors into, when you ask how it changed my life, I didn't ever feel the need to ask where the information was coming from, because by that point, I had forged such a relationship with whatever it was that it didn't matter at all anymore. Like that was a detail, like who cares? Sure. Because it, because it played out not just in my life, but in, you know, these other people who I doused for in their lives, they would always come back to me and say, that's exactly what happened, blah, blah, blah. So <clears throat> I wasn't using it in the field as much as I was using it personally for people. And, and then what happened was in 2010, I had this uh, very challenging year. And I, uh, towards the end of it, I, I went to a sound healing conference to try to restore myself from all the things that had happened. And when I came home, I was delightfully empty. In fact, I had said on the very last practice, the sound practice of the day of the whole two weeks, I had said, just, I am a willing vessel, do with me what you will. It was basically a, a, a surrender to the great source beyond whatever you want to call it. And three days later, when I got home, I was walking across my living room. I had a friend there and I I had a vision standing there of this giant wave, this hundred foot beautiful wave did not feel threatening, but it was clearly moving toward me. And there was a little byline that went along with this vision. And it was this, this wave represents a push of evolution that will be coming, wrapping around the planet, anchoring in at the end of 2011. And the advice was to learn to swim with it, to surf it, uh, but don't resist the changes that are coming. Just like at the beach, if you resist the wave, you'll get knocked down. So that was number one. Then that wave turned to a side view. So if you look at a big wave from the side, you see a curling, right? You see kind of a letter C. 
And the, the message with that was as the wave, the water pulls away from the shore and deepens into the seabed in order to gain the energy to create the crest. That's how the physics of it works. So should you, meaning me, but meaning all of us, leave your book learning on the shore, go to the earth, go to the wisdom keepers of the earth for your information and, and blend it with this incoming movement, this wave coming in. And then that letter C was like this, instead of falling down into the water, it, it turned into a figure eight made of flowing water like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then that hung out in front of my head for a couple of days. There was no byline with it. I, I didn't know what it was about. And this is where the dowsing and how it changed my life comes in. Because the only thing I could do was to douse about what this thing was. Now, as I said, because I had devised my own way of asking questions, my own style, um, and I had learned how to really back out for the largest perspective, I had learned how to set myself aside and, and be as open a channel with, without judgment, without anything that might distort my answers. Not to say it's perfect, but that's what I had been working on. So I could, I found that I could ask more than yes or no questions in a way because the rods are so nuanced in how they answer. They could go to 50%, they could go to 25%. One could go this way, one could go that way. We know there are all these permutations and the speed with which they answer also is telling. So we always talk about, well, let's ask about the timing of something. And you know, we, we go at it from different angles. So basically when I sat down with my rods after three days of this thing in front of my face, um, I was told in a nutshell, this is called, if we had to give it a name, call it the infinity wave. And it represents a, an energetic 10th dimensional that inherent in this watery flow is 10th dimensional love and compassion. And to remember that the water is always moving. And then I was told to create workshops on this, that, I, that it was meant for the whole wide world. And, and I was like, mm, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't want to do that. And um, they said, yeah, but you said you were a willing vessel. So... <laughs> I was like, couldn't I have just a few more than three days off? Like, this is, you know, anyway, as we know, we don't fight. We don't fight with the, with the powers that be. So I yeah. ended up saying yes. So had you been doing uh, sort of energy spirit work before this came along? Or was this something completely new to you? It was completely new. And I had been learning about energy since I was a teenager. Uh, I'd learned to meditate at a very young age. I, I studied hands-on healing um, and practiced it, plus Reiki, plus this and that. I, uh, I had 
a, a library filled with books about people who have had these spontaneous visitations, openings, whatever. And I thought, well, that's probably never going to happen to me because I already know all that stuff. It usually happens to people who are, you know, completely not in that world and then to have the shocking experience. And um, but then it happened to me and and it was hard to wrap my head around it. It it really was. I was I was actually surprised knowing the things that I knew that this was happening to me. And uh, and it led me into and my work, my life completely changed. And the thing is, I was living on a in a very rural area in Western Mass and I had no, you know, didn't have a website, didn't have like, if you want this to be out in the wide world, then you're going to have to make that happen because I have no idea how to do that. And sure enough, the people showed up. Uh, I got, I got plucked and put into a, uh, a talk show, you know, with hundreds of thousands of listeners around the world. And that's when I knew um, just by chance, right? Chance. And that's when I knew, okay, they're serious about this and I better get my act together. So I did. And I, I uh, taught lots of workshops. I didn't know what I was teaching. All I knew was this was about evolution. And I thought, well, this is evolution that we're actually aware of happening. It's not something happening in the background. And back in 2010, nobody was talking about evolution, believe it or not, because I Googled it. And I said, this is, this is what I would call conscious evolution. So I Googled conscious evolution. And Barbara Marks Hubbard is the only hit that came up and she was teaching something very different. So I realized that that this platform had to be all about consciously evolving and, and doing it with this energetic of love and compassion would probably be, be more likely to give us the kind of boost that we wanted than if we didn't use it. So I began, so then I, I, I set up a date for a workshop. I had no idea what I was going to teach. And I sat down every week with my friend and I got my rods out. And all of a sudden these deep voices were coming out and these practices would spill out about the infinity wave, how to use the infinity wave for the next step of your evolution. And so they would give me three by the time I had each workshop. So I had three and then three and then three. So the whole workshop was three weekends per month, uh, excuse me, one weekend per month in three consecutive months. And when I looked back, when I was done with the last you know, weekend, I saw the brilliant step-by-step -step process that these practices led us on that I would never in a million years have figured out on my own. And, and then I repeated the workshops and then repeated them again. So by September, I'd done three full workshops, one weekend a month. And these practices kept coming in, but those first nine were the original, if you wanna make a leap in your own evolution, here it is, to do this. So um, 
after that, I kind of, I was offered an opportunity through them to take a small group to England. Uh, They were very much on my case to, to plan a trip, yet they wouldn't give me any details. And so we were supposed to go in October. I doused for the dates and I doused for where we should go. And they sent us to Cornwall. And I'd never been to Cornwall. I'd studied in London years before, but I'd never been to Cornwall. And I thought, what's in Cornwall? You know, I just know about Cornish game hen. Like that's all. <laughs> Lots of stuff oh, was I in for a surprise. And, and I doused, we were supposed to go to St. Ives and we spent a bunch of time there. And then we were supposed to go to Avebury. I had never been to Avebury. So they wouldn't let me plan, you know, buy a ticket or do anything like that until literally a few weeks before we left. And we found these amazingly cheap tickets and, and off we go completely in the zone, in the, in the wave zone uh, of not knowing and discovery. And I doused the maps to which sites we should go to. Little did I know that, you know, mo- there are more sites per square mile in Cornwall than almost anywhere on the planet. And, uh, and we were just led. And every time we would enter a circle or whatever, all the people would be leaving. We would be there for as long as we liked. We would be leaving and all the people would be coming in again. And this happened over and over and over. So we, we, we knew we were traveling in this wave bubble and all kinds of magic happened. It was an incredible trip. And that's how I started the uh, yearly excursions that I've been doing ever since. Sort so, of like uh, pilgrimages almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, in the fall, uh, usually when I get back from whatever trip, I douse for if I should go bring a group on a trip the next year, if so, where, which direction, north, south, east, west, you know, I do the whole thing. And, um, and then I go wherever they tell me to go and I douse for the dates and I put the thing together and then off we go. And uh, it's been an incredible ride. It's been just amazing. So we've found that when we use this energetic, it's a representation, the figure eight made of flowing water. It's a representation of a very alive energy that is an upgrade from what we've been used to. And when we use it, we have found that we actually change reality. I know that sounds weird, but uh, it affects the environment immediately and affects a per, you know, one of the things I do when I've, uh, when I'm in a teaching, uh, dowsing and the infinity wave, before we do anything, I have everybody stand on one side of the room, except for one person who stands on the other side. And they don't even know what the wave is yet. They don't know anything. And I say, okay, I'm going to douse that person's energy field. So usually it's, you know, about six feet. And then I, we go back to the group and I say, okay, here's what all I want you to do for the next 30 seconds. I want you to just imagine a figure eight of flowing water coming from your heart and going to that person's heart. That's all you have to, you don't have to know what it means. You don't have to know anything. 30 seconds and 
each and every time I've done this, that the, the test person's energy field has grown trifold in 30 seconds. So it's not a, a perfect experiment, but it is um, significant. And I've done it on speakers, you know, when they've got a bova scale up or something like that. We'll go, okay, let's douse and then let's juice you up and then douse again. Boom, up it goes. So that's a, a, a kind of how it all happened and how dowsing, if I hadn't had dowsing, I don't know, I couldn't have interpreted and I couldn't have figured out next steps. Like there's so much I couldn't have done. So it, it very much changed my life. So how do people react to the infinity wave workshops? I mean, is this something people take away and can work with themselves afterwards? Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. It's, uh, well, I've recorded the practices. They're for sale on my website. Um, and so they all go away with those recordings. Anybody who comes on my trips also gets those recordings in advance because I want them to actually get, get used to using it uh, so that I don't have to spend time explaining everything. Because in, uh, in the recordings, I also usually give a little preamble to each practice as to what, how it came in, why it's there, blah, blah, blah. So um, yes, very much so. People can do it on their own. And, but what I really love the best is when I, I haven't done it, sorry, let me start over. I haven't done a workshop just by itself, you know, since COVID hit. Mm. And so, but I have done a trip. I did a trip last fall to the Southwest in America. And what I like most of all is when I get to blend the workshop with the travel, because we also get to have that boost from the potent spots on the planet where more is possible, more breakthrough is possible. And as you and I know, and I'm sure most of your listeners, it, it, you can talk all you want, you can read all you want, but it isn't until you have an experience yourself that, some, that the molecules start to change, that things yeah. start to shift, right? So I'm all about opportunity for experience. I, I lay the platters out on the table and I say, well, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this, because I'm hoping each person will have at least one moment along the journey where, boom, they have a little awakening. Yeah, exactly. Like you say, you can read you know, numerous books, um, watch numerous programs and YouTubes, but until you get that moment, that experience, it doesn't click. Um, and it, it took me several years, you know. Um, and I taught myself dowsing uh, when I was in my teens, but didn't really do anything about it. Uh, I didn't know any other dowsers, didn't meet any other dowsers for about 20 years. So, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I learned afterwards that the, the British Society had had a conference in, in my town of Glasgow. I didn't even know what was going on. It's so funny. <laughs> you and I share this, like it's the yeah. whole world going on. But I think there's a, I think there's a beauty to that development that you had and that I had that became very personal and nuanced, 
you know, according to what, how we tested the environment, tested the program, you know, so to speak, to find out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And that way, when we meet other people, we're, we're really on solid ground, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like you said earlier, going to a conference is just a transformational experience, you know? Yeah. All these people that think the same way you do. Yeah, it's great. And, and such wonderful people, too. I yeah. mean, just, just salt of the earth, really good people. Yeah. Yeah, the Dowsing family is a wonderful family. There really I agree. is. I agree. So um, tell me about uh, your work with other clients. I mean, do you still do like uh, healing for people and things like that? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing that being in this field, getting older only means you're getting better, right? You keep, we keep growing, we keep expanding and so do whatever our abilities are. So what's happened to me is uh, my healing. Um, I found that if I use certain pendulums, or if I'm in person with somebody in person, I use certain pendulums to start the process. Um, I've got a big French one that's this gigantic wooden thing. And uh, it, it, I use that first to clear just to clear away everything. It's incredibly powerful. I can almost not hold it when it's going around full tilt. Um, and then I use some more refined ones as I go along. And, and then at the very end, I do the hands-on piece. But so what's happened to me is um, those original practices that dropped in that kind of interchange has expanded to the point where now I, I have a large variety of etheric beings who come through me on a regular basis. Now, one would call that channeling. Uh, and in the beginning, I didn't trust channelers. So it was a little awkward to all of a sudden be doing that. But it's been incredibly helpful as it's grown. And I've got hundreds of pages of transcriptions now of I've been taught, I've been educated by, by them by the, and by the variety of them. And so what also has expanded and I've been, you know, I was encouraged to start um, allowing the, the healing energy to come through me as well. So in the process of the channeling and the healing, it's my, the upper half of my body is basically levitating. The lower half stays on the ground, but my arms move around, my head moves around, my body moves around, my hands take me places. Yeah, I just get taken over. And the interesting thing is like, if I'm in the middle of a, even just last night, I was doing a meditation with a group and and my hands were up here doing something, you know, for 20 minutes. Now, if I tried to hold my arm like that for 20 minutes, I couldn't do it. And every now and then I go, oh, my arms are up there. Okay, but don't pay attention because they'll fall. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so, so healing, I don't do it that often. I do it as called to do it. But uh, 
but it's become much more potent, I would say. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's quite astounding. I, I stand, I stand over here in, in wonder. Um, what I do more than anything are dowsing sessions to help people make these decisions. So I, and I do it in half hour appointments because so much can get done with the rods uh, that it's, it's uncanny. I mean, people don't need usually more than half an hour to answer 10 questions. You could just boom, boom, boom. But the other thing that's happened is that what's, when I start the dowsing is when my little window opens in my head and I start to see and hear things. So that's why I use the rods to confirm what I'm seeing and hearing. So it's like a double system. And uh, in case I'm wrong and getting, you know, maybe I get the wrong impression and then the rods will tell me so. Or if there's a question I don't have permission to ask, of course, the rods will tell me so. Um, but now what's increasingly happening is that in the middle of a session, there will be a direct transmission for that person from whatever being it is who's talking at that time. So usually my default, where this, enter, where this information comes from is the universe. And so that's the direct. And as we know, there isn't a whole lot of emotion. So sometimes the, uh, the, vocabulary is a little blunt and uh you know delicately put <laughs> yeah so i try to soften it a little bit but also be careful not i want to use the words they use because of the frequency there's never a missed syllable i mean it there it each syllable has a frequency that is meaningful to that person and so so increasingly, I'll be in the middle of a session, and I'll say, "Hold on, you're getting a you're getting a direct transmission," and then I'll say whatever it is that's coming through, until that's done, and then I'll go back to the rods. So it's it's this blending now <clears throat> of all the things in in a given session. Um, yeah, and it's quite it's quite astounding. I learn something every single time. Hi, I'm Nancy Bradley of the Canadian Society of Dowsers, and you're listening to Adventures in Dowsing. Just a couple of news items this time. If you're listening to the podcast just after I've uploaded it, which is the beginning of May, you'll know that the 5th of May is International Dowsing Day. Now, we have other things going on in the UK that day, so uh, we're going to do the usual live stream event on the 7th of May. That will be Sunday the 7th at 8pm UK time. And Susan Collins and myself will be hosting a live stream on the International Dowsing Day Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash international dowsing day. And we have a selection of international speakers, including uh, Susan Collins and myself, Patrick McManaway, Susan McNeil-Spooler, Dave Charman and Jim Doyle, and we will each be offering a short 10-minute tutorial on some aspect of dowsing. So it's sure to be interesting, and it's completely free. You just have to go to the International Dowsing Day Facebook page, and we'll be live right on there. If you're in Scotland and have some dowsing experience, I'm running two advanced weekend courses on house healing, and the first part of this is on the 10th and 11th of June. 
part 2 is on the 16th and 17th of September. These are British Society of Dowsers approved courses, but they're not for complete beginners. You do need to have some dowsing experience. And these are held in the wilds of West Lothian, and I do mean the wilds. Uh, public transport is a bit limited, so you'll really need a car to get there. You can find details about these on my own website at westerngmc.org. And I'll put links for all these events on the main podcast page. But now, let's get back to our chat with Hope. What's the most unusual situation that you've uh, you've had to navigate? Well, I'll tell you one that happened early on. That is that that I think made the final penny drop for me because the first year that 2011, so the the wave came in in November 2010, and I started the workshops in January 2011, and. At the end of that year in December, I uh, <clears throat> wanted to go with my girlfriend to Los Angeles where she had to have a very special neck surgery. And she was by herself, so I was going to be her advocate. And uh, I have to say, even after all the workshops and after the trip to England, I, I think there was still a little bit of doubt, a little bit of hanging back as a scientist, watching how this whole thing, you know, does it have legs? Does this last? I don't want something that's just surface change. I want real deep lasting change, that kind of thing. So it was all very warm and fuzzy also up to that point. So my girlfriend had been studying, uh, preparing for surgery through hypnosis self-hypnosis and that kind of thing. And one of the things that, that was, she was guided to do through the book was to write out what you want the anesthesiologist to say as you're going under and then as you're coming out so you can program the subconscious mind to a better healing, better outcomes. So she had written this down on a beautiful piece of Italian paper and it, you know, and we went through the whole admission thing and got her in early in the morning, you know, and the last person to talk to before she went into the surgery was the anesthesiologist. And we were waiting and waiting. And finally, this woman comes in uh, sort of in her 40s and she's got a clipboard and she's got this interesting surgical hat. You know, usually they're caps. Well, this one looked like a like a mini pizza hat. It kind of went out, came like this and then puffed out a little bit had little red flecks on it. Very unusual. And so she stood, I was sitting at the foot of the bed on one side and she came and stood opposite me, facing me and basically looked at her clipboard and was rattling off all this medical ease and all this stuff, never once connecting with my friend, no eye contact, no nothing. And I could see that my, my friend was getting very, very nervous and like, you know, trembling and because she wasn't going to be able to do this piece of paper thing to this woman who was so shut down, absolutely like in her, an icebox, automaton type behavior, robotic. And uh, I'm sitting there looking at her as she's talking and look at my friend and seeing how worried she's getting. The former me a year before 
I probably would have done something like, hey, you know, my friend is really nervous and I maybe, you know, I figure something out to say to just like, hello, we are human beings here. We need to do a little bedside manner. And, but that's not who I was anymore. And that's also interesting because I sat there and I went, hmm, I don't like this picture. I want a different picture. This is internally, of course. And I said, without any spin, the the words that came out of my mouth were, I like your hat. But what I experienced was from my solar plexus, a burst of a wave towards this woman. Now, it all happened simultaneously, much to my surprise. I didn't say, gee, I think I'll send a burst of it. You know, nothing like that. Boom, out it goes. And literally the woman's head goes boink. And she looks at my friend. She goes, hey, babe, how are you doing today? I'm going to take such good care of you. Oh, what do you have for me? It looks like a recipe. It's so beautiful. Oh, you want me to say this? That's totally fine. I love doing stuff like Wow. And both my friend and I literally, uh, you know, the eyeballs went like this because it was a 180 in a millisecond. And I could see her body react to the wave. Hmm. She went boing like this and turned and connected and became her better self. That poor woman, she'd probably been on call and exhausted and kids at home screaming, like who knows what had put her in her icebox. But she needed this blast of love and compassion so desperately so she could rise to her better self. Now, I didn't know that. And I just said, I want a different picture. The wave knows what to do. And when when this happened and later after my friend had come through surgery and everything, she said, hey, what about that anesthesiologist? All of a sudden, she just turned on a dime. And she said, I was ready to ask for somebody else. And then all of a sudden, she's, and she took great care of me. That's when I told her what happened. So I have a witness. But that what I learned from that was, A, I don't have to intention what I want somebody to look like with the wave. The wave has an intelligence and knows what's needed because it's living. And the other thing I learned is that don't think this is just some kind of airy fairy uh, feel good kind of thing. This is a powerful energy that can change reality on a dime, 3D reality, and and more. So I uh, went okay, okay. I'm I'm getting this now. I'm getting this now, and and that I think was the final. And, and a few days later is when I met this woman who had the huge following, uh, international following. And she said, I want to produce you. So she did. So she produced my recordings and all of a sudden we were off and running. So. Wow. What a story. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, is there a way uh, right, right now on this podcast, people can experience the wave? Oh, Yeah. I, I can lead us in a little practice if you want. Sure, why not? Yeah, Ten minutes that. and and just uh, yeah, let's. It's it's 
it's, it's the kind of thing that we invite to dance with us. Okay, let's do it. Okay, all right. So uh, should I give a warning here? If anybody's listening to this while they're driving or something, yeah, maybe they yeah, should not probably. listen. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yes, content warning, folks. <laughs> Make sure you're in a safe place. That's right. Pull over, park your car. Okay, let me just make sure. We're... <clears throat> All right. So let's start by just taking in some very deep breaths. And what I suggest is imagining that you have a tube running from your crown down through your sacrum. It's a hollow tube, and we're going to be breathing through that tube. It's called the pranic tube. So let's begin by breathing from the heart center Deep exhale down, down through the tube, down through the legs, down through the feet, down through the floor and into the earth. Deep exhale down. And then breathing back up from the earth into the heart center. And as we continue to do this, we are having this opportunity to release into the earth that which no longer serves us, any heavy energies, we don't have to know what they are or identify them. And breathing back into the heart center, those renewing energies that the earth offers us uh, every moment of every day. So exhaling out the heavy energies, whatever they are, and inhaling back in the renewing energies of the earth. And after you've done that for a few moments, we're going to switch our focus. And we're going to breathe out from the heart center up through the crown like a fountain expanding. And inhaling back into the heart center, the gifts from the realms above and around us. Exhaling up and out, expanding in all directions. And inhaling back into the heart center. Those gifts from above, which may be thought of as light, as a very crystalline love. Whatever you imagine lies out there. Just breathe like that for a few moments. Now the heart is enlivened by both spiritual realms and we're going to continue to breathe this time, if you can do it, from above and below at the same time, inhaling from above and below into the heart center and exhaling out above and below. It's a bit of a trick. And as we continue to breathe in this way, the pranic tube becomes a mixing tube of both energetic realms, the spiritual realm of the earth and the equally spiritual realm of the 
of source of what lies above and around us all the time. And as such, we understand that we are those conduits for these energies. It is not an accident how we are set up. We are meant to be in touch with both realms and incorporate them into our fields as much as possible. Okay, so from this point, let us imagine that in our heart center, our enlivened heart center, is a little figure eight made of flowing water. Now, the, what we're going to do is just observe it in our heart. You can notice whether it has a color, what the rate of flow of the water is, how it orients, north, south, east, west, or something else. And if you need a little help getting this imagination going, you can always take your finger and trace the infinity on your heart center. Just until you can really imagine it floating there. And as you observe this infinity wave, you may also notice if there's any physical response, any little softening or um, vibration. And maybe not, that's fine. Okay, good. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn the wave so that it's east and west. In other words, each loop is facing a rib cage. And as we inhale, those loops are going to begin to stretch very slowly. They're going to get a little bit bigger. And they're going to take your heart along with it. Now, what can happen is the heart might want to resist because the heart has perhaps gotten a little hardened over time in response to daily life. Totally natural, totally normal. But we're introducing a very pristine level of love and compassion into that heart zone. And by allowing the watery flow of that love and compassion to soften the heart, to melt the heart. When we ask those loops to grow through inhaling, the heart might be more willing to go along for the ride. So breathe in and see if you can Stretch those loops just a little bit. And that is what you want to concentrate on throughout the rest of this practice. As we're doing this, 
I'm going to remind you that inherent in that watery flow is the most infinite degree of compassion that you can imagine. This is a source of compassion that is almost like a force. It is an endless expression of gratitude, of appreciation, of understanding the depths of what each and every one of us has gone through in this earth walk. Compassion for the successes, compassion for the failures, compassion for the way you keep going anyway, your choice for life. Please receive this compassion. It is very difficult for most people to really receive compassion. They're very good at giving it, but not so good at receiving. Let's see if you can allow this compassion to embed itself in your heart, the very center of you. And keep breathing and stretching those loops just a little further. Allowing the water to do the work you don't have to try hard. Let the watery flow soften and stretch your heart. And remembering that also embedded in this water is an infinite, highly distilled love. Love that has no end for you love for your choice to be here now love for the way you love and for how that ripples out in your world love for your courage love for your strength and your weaknesses love for your entire self, warts and all. Allow that to embed itself in your heart center. And as we widen the heart across the chest, we may feel quite vulnerable we're not used to having a heart so big, so stretched, so wide open. And yet we are perfectly safe as we are held in the embrace of the infinity wave. Now, You may choose to allow the wave to reduce in size to where your heart is comfortable. And you may choose to invite the wave to remain there indefinitely. 
operating in the background all the time for your highest good. And when you're ready, you can come back to reality. Wow, okay. Thank you. I think that's the uh, first time we've had a guided meditation on the podcast. That was wonderful. <laughs> well, it only takes a few minutes, you know, and and it can have lasting impact. And especially if people understand that this infinity wave thing can be any size. It can you can put multiple waves in your body when you have pain you can make it gigantic if you wish to communicate with the sun or the moon or whatever you choose to communicate with it's very good for communicating with the natural world and you can check the communications with your dowsing so i teach people to you know how to talk to trees and plants and all kinds of rocks etc and then to check their information, you know, with their dowsing rods or yeah. pendulums. Yeah, dowsing is so good for that. It uh, gives you that uh, secondary confirmation. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think we can follow that, really. So um, uh, just tell us what you've got coming up, Hope. Uh, you know, what, what are you doing next? Uh, oh, I believe you're writing a book as well. I have written a book. Mm -hmm. I am getting it. I'm working on getting it published right now. I have it in ebook form. Uh, on my website. And <clears throat> when somebody buys the ebook, they are put on a list and will be have a book delivered to them. I haven't quite figured out the international shipping yet, but that's all discoverable down the road. Um, I have two trips coming up and I have a workshop coming up. Um, in May, I'm doing a workshop with my dear, dear friend and colleague, Gary Malkin, incredible Emmy-winning uh, composer. And he and I collaborate um, in various ways. He, his music is extremely high vibrational music. So it puts people into a much more receptive state very quickly. So the combination of that with the wave, you might imagine packs a big punch. The other way that we come together is we both have an interest in death and dying and helping people to live more fully. To, to live your most full life, we need to look at the bookend of our passing, of our transformation into the next world. We have to. It, it's, it's, it's required. So we have a workshop where we take people through a four-step process of uh, releasing grief, going through a forgiveness practice, working with facing the unknown and then emerging into joy. And it's a two day thing. It is, I mean, people ha have loved it. And so we're doing that in May. And then in September, I have two back-to-back -back trips. I'm very excited because I'm coming to Scotland and I'm gonna see you. And uh, 
we're going to take people up to from Edinburgh. We're going to go to Iona and we're going to go to Glasgow. We're going to go to Orkney. We're going to go down Loch Ness, Inverness and all kinds of places in between. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. That's at the beginning of September, immediately followed by a trip in Italy with my colleague, uh, Jorge Luis Delgado, who's a Peruvian shaman with whom I've worked for many years. And a man named Raul Michieli, who is uh, in Italy, and they have constructed a trip on the Archangel Michael line that, as mm -hmm. you know, goes from Skellig Michael down to Mount Carmel. Uh, but we're going to be on the Italian portion of that line doing all kinds of all kinds of fun. I, I, I'm not sure exactly there. They have things cooked up and I have a few things that I'm thinking of. Of course, a lot of things happen spontaneously, but that's going to be a magnificent trip at the second half of September. So those are the things that are on the book so far. And uh, I think it's going to be thrilling. Yeah, sounds wonderful. Yeah. So uh, tell us, uh, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, what's your website? It is spreadinfinitehope.com. Wonderful. <laughs> I'll, and, I'll put a link on the, the website page for the podcast as well for that. Great. And there's a contact thing on the page, so you can easily reach out to me. And get on my mailing list. I, don't, I, I send out a blog every week. So uh, I try not to mail more than that, but I try to provide a lot of content for people. And I also offer free meditations twice a month on Monday nights. And the other Monday nights, I offer a, uh, an in, what's called an infinity circle, which I did just last night. It's the first Monday of the month where I do an overview of the astrology, followed by a little discussion, followed by a channeled meditation. Um, and on the third Monday of the month, I do private group that anybody can purchase to join where people get to ask direct questions of whichever entities have decided to visit that night. So that's a pretty good way to, if somebody's sitting on the fence and wants advice from above uh, to get it. So you have a ton of stuff happening. I do. Uh, do you find you're doing a lot more online now post-COVID? Everything's online. Everything's online. Yeah. Everything. Um, but these trips and, and I'm very yeah. excited to, uh, to be in person with people. That's the best. Yeah. I'm very excited to be spending some time with you in person, uh, exploring the secret parts of Scotland. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't be great. Wait. Okay. Well, that's been a fantastic uh, talk. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. It's such a pleasure to talk with a fellow dowser. I can't even tell you. There's so much I don't have to explain, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay, let's leave it there for this episode. Uh, my thanks to Hope for that wonderful chat and for sharing the Infinity Wave. Uh, what a remarkable meditation that was. You can find out more about Hope on our website with the wonderful web address of www.spreadinfinitehope.com. But I'll put a link on the main podcast page at adventuresandthousand.com as usual. So if you have any comments about this, uh, if you enjoyed that meditation and would like to see more of it, um, or if you, anything else you'd like to share, just send us an email to podcast at adventuresanddowsing.com or you can leave a comment on the, uh, the main website or, uh, about uh, particular episodes. 
So thanks for listening. Many thanks to Winter Gatton and Ian Pegler for, for the music. And I hope you can join me next time for more Adventures in Housing. <laughs>